with us today, we have a special guest. Adam Simkowitz is with us. Adam is a playwright, and uh, I'm not sure how else to describe him other than maybe a playwright's whisperer. He's got an incredible blog where he's interviewed a thousand playwrights, and we'll talk about that in a second, but also Adam is a... is a well-published playwright in his own sense and has got many productions to his name. So, Adam, thank you for joining us on Broadway Radio. Oh, yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Tell me about your background. You know, where do you hail from? Where did you go to school? Uh, Sure. Um, So I'm from a small town in Connecticut called Colchester, uh, which is kind of rural, kind of middle-class, not when you think of Connecticut, it's not the part of Connecticut that most people think of. Um, it's like kind of out in the middle of nowhere a little bit. Um, and I went to a public high school. Um, then I went to UMass Dartmouth, which is a state school, like kind of on the way to Cape Cod in Massachusetts. Um, and then like a few years later, I got into Columbia for grad school. And um, I uh, had a have an MFA from Columbia um, and then a couple of years after that, I got into Juilliard, um, and uh, I'm actually currently the the literary manager at Juilliard, um, which is my my day job, uh, which means that I'm uh, apart from supporting the playwriting program, it means that I'm reading all the admission scripts and trying to narrow down like about 250 scripts down to like 12 or so uh, that I give to the professors. Is that so? Kinda, is that sort of like the same uh, process that you went through to get into Juilliard, that you submitted a script and somebody read yours? Yeah, and absolutely. Um, do you know the person who read your script? Or oh, did yeah. you replace uh, them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, like he had the – it's like he had the job when I was there. Um, he's a priest now. His name is Joe Kramer, um, an amazing human being. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I know, you know, like – I, th- I think when people get in, they, they're like, oh, this is the play I got in with, um, which I think has like a certain significance. Um, but, you know, like in retrospect, like, like having being on the other side of the table, like it's always it's not always as important as it seems in that moment. It's not like I don't know how to explain it because it is like it's like most of the reason you get in is because of the play. Um, but sometimes it's like, oh, well, but I've read like four of their plays and I love them and like consider them again. Here is this play that you should read kind of thing. Um, and so it's not, you know, like sometimes it's like a, like anything, it's like knocking, knocking on doors over and over again and continuing to persevere like leads to things sometimes. Do you have uh, brothers, sisters, family, parents in the arts or, you know? Uh, no, I mean, um, I think way back there were, um, I have, uh, ancestors in, uh, that were in vaudeville. Um, but that's, you know, not people I ever knew. Mm -hmm. Um, no, my, my parents are both public school teachers and they're both retired now. Um, my older sister is a public school teacher. My younger sister is a therapist and, uh, um, and I'm a playwright and I'm, and I'm married to another playwright. (laughs) <laughs> How did you uh, uh, end up? I mean, it seems like when you went to UMass, did did you study playwriting there? Was uh, in between UMass and uh, Columbia? I mean, I had I had like over the years, I've had some amazing teachers that have kind of led me to this. 
Um, I was in an enrichment program in in uh, elementary school, and uh, the the woman running that, um, Elizabeth Beauchene, uh was amazing, and we did a play every year as part of it. And I think um, I was, you know, I was in plays like every year since like kindergarten, and I think that's definitely part of it. And and she would like create plays with the class, and so it never seemed like a far away thing. Um, and then middle school. Um, uh, I had an amazing uh, teacher who also ran the same uh, a gifted program um, in middle school and high school, Doc Gross, and he kind of uh, he would write these three-hour-long plays and like write parts for everybody. But then we also would do like Waiting for Godot and Romeo and Juliet, and you know I was in some crazy plays that people are not normally in in high school. Um, and so I have kind of a kind of a uh, a different viewpoint of like what theater is and like kind of at a younger age. Um, and so I was acting for a long time and then, and then it wasn't exactly the thing that I wanted to do, but I loved theater. Um, and then, so when I started writing plays, uh, which I did in college, like I just kind of never stopped writing plays since then. So <laughs> what do you consider as your first play? Um, so when I, okay, so when I was, I think a, a summer after my sophomore year of college, um, I had a full-time job, uh, working at Gillette Castle State Park, which is this crazy place here in Connecticut. Um, that's like this castle on the Connecticut river, uh, that, um, William Gillette owned. And he, um, was most famous for, uh, adapting Arthur Conan Doyle's plays, um, I'm sorry, Arthur Conan Doyle's uh, stories into a play about Sherlock Holmes and then playing Sherlock Holmes on the stage. Um, and so then he retired. He had this huge castle built on the Connecticut River, and it's now a state park. And so I was one of the people who gave tours of this place. Um, and so while I was working there, I wrote like my first play, and it was maybe, I don't know, like a 30-minute play or so. Um, and then the next summer I wrote another one and then I took a playwriting class. And then in my senior year, I wrote and directed a play, um, that, uh, that went really well <laughs> and it was only like 40 minutes, but it was like, it was very much, um, it was very, uh, much like a Chris Durang kind of play. Um, but also like heavily influenced by night mother. It was like a comedy about suicide. Um, and later on, those two people were my professors at, at Juilliard. Um, and it's kind of amazing to be like so um, moved by them early on and their work and then to actually meet them later and being like, oh, this is completely different than I think it is. But also like now they're my mentors. <laughs> uh, and uh, which was your first play that was published? Uh, my first play was published was called The Flowering Waldo, um, and that was the play that I got into Columbia with. Um, and it's, I think it's about like an hour-long play, um, and it's very much a Chris Durang, Nikki Silver kind of play, um, but but kind of with a, you know, there's a heart there. It's not, it's less, it, in some ways it's more comedically Nikki Silver, but less like his actual aesthetic. Um, I mean, it's not really either of those aesthetic, but it's like that kind of comedy. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's, 
it's a pretty silly play that still gets done occasionally, um, but not not as much as most of my other published plays. And that was, uh, I think, 2006, I think it was published. So one of the questions that you must get from uh, uh, from uh, new playwrights is, how did you get published? Sure. Um, it's kind of, okay, let me, let me try to figure it out. Um, you know, I was, I, so there was, I was in this, I was living in the Boston area and I was in this thing called Playwrights Platform and I had that play read at, at that thing at the, at the event. It's like a writer's group basically. Um, and uh, one of the people who was there in the audience worked for um, Baker's Plays, uh, which was like a subsidiary of like Sam French, I think. It was like the kids' version of Sam French or something. Um, and and uh, Ree, uh, is his name, um, was very excited about the play and was uh, like worked for them and was like, I'm going to send it to them. Um, and then like, I think like many years passed, a couple of years passed, and they rejected it. Um, Re went on to like do the first production in Arlington, uh, Massachusetts. Um, but like part way through that time, like I was working at, um, you know, at Columbia, I was working for an agent as part of my, um, what do you call it? Uh, when you work for free. <laughs> internship, externship. Internship. Yes. I was working for an internship and, um, I, that agent later took me on as a client. Um, I had like a fancy reading during that time. And I think that kind of helped to, um, but she was, she's lovely and she liked me and was like, she took me on as a client. Um, and one of the things that she's really good at was like sending place to publishers. And so she just sent it to the publisher, um, Dramatist Play Service, who really liked it and published it just because they really liked it, which was kind of crazy and, and isn't the thing that happens that much. Like usually it helps to have like a New York production of something, um, a good New York Times review. Um, the, like a year later, I had two plays in a row off off Broadway that both the New York Times came to and both got good poll quotes from the Times and from like some other publications. Um, and those plays were both published by Dramatist Play Service too. Um, so kind of I got off to like a kind of an amazing start in publishing, um, and that has helped me even when I don't have like a bunch of pull quotes for something. Like I feel like my name is known enough that sometimes publishers will still take a chance on me. So that uh, begs the question because I don't know the, the playwriting universe at all. Um, uh -huh. Is it easier to get a production together or is it easier to get published? Um, or or I mean, both things most, really hard. <laughs> mostly you don't really get published until it's already been produced. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes not until it's been produced more than a couple times, um, depending on where it's been produced. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's really – it's everything's hard. It's hard to get a production. Um, I've been really lucky over the years. I've never – like I've had very few like big productions – um, but I've had like a lot of productions. Um, like last year I had like 30. So wow. that's, that's like a lot for, yeah. for, you know, someone who works uh, like I, most of them aren't, you know, like I, like I know someone who has a lot of productions at, at high schools and at middle schools and they have like, 
lot, a lot, a lot more productions. Um, and so like, it's possible to get a lot more productions, but it's like a lot less money. Like if you're able to make a way into like that world. Um, however, that world, you can actually get um, published sometimes before the play is produced. But still, especially early on, it really helps to make sure it's um, that the play works to have it to have it to see it in front of the audience before you try to get it published. So uh, you talk about the the different markets that are out there. Uh, recently, you had a Facebook post that broke down eight different right, markets. Right. Yeah, that was uh, Don Zelitis kind of laid it out there, and I I reposted it. Um, it was yeah it was just i feel like really in a in a pretty clear way like he was like here are the different markets and i'd never seen anyone do that before and so i just wanted everyone to know about it so let's uh quickly go through we have first the broadway market then the off-broadway market a regional market small professional theater community theater colleges and universities high school and middle school and theater for a young audience and uh, the, uh, your takes on all of those uh, different markets, I think, are really important for not only for playwrights to understand, but theater fans to understand as well. Uh, what can you say uh, about these eight things that um, th- that might be something that uh, a listener might not understand? You know, what is the struggle of the playwright in these eight markets? Right. Okay. Well, so, I mean, Broadway is completely magical to me and I don't know how anyone gets there. Like it just seems like a, something that can happen somehow magically. You, uh, yeah. Um, you, so wrote, you don't even, you oh, wrote in, you wrote in the thing. Was, I didn't actually write that. That's Don that wrote that. Oh, okay. Reposted okay. what he'd written. Um, uh, but yeah, no, it's just like, he, yeah, but you can say what he said, which is hilarious, which is. It says, uh, get Daniel Radcliffe in your show. Seriously. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so if you know if you know Daniel Radcliffe, like maybe you can get a show on Broadway. Yeah. Like exact. It's like that kind of thing. And like you know, eventually, like if you're in the theater for a while, sometimes you do get to know someone like that. Um, or maybe you've gone to school with someone famous. Like some people do, but that doesn't necessarily mean you, that you can get them in your play and they're interested. And like that's a it's a whole magical. Who knows how anyone gets anything on Broadway? As far as I'm concerned. Now off Broadway, like it's pretty clear. Like off-Broadway, basically, you um, send it to however many off-Broadway theaters there are and try to get them to do it. And there's not many slots. And a lot of the slots are reserved for people who are already well-known. Um, and so it's really hard. Uh, it, it's not harder than Broadway, but it's really, really hard to get um, an off-Broadway production. Um, regionally, there are theaters that are a lot of them bigger than uh, or similar size to off-Broadway theaters, um, like in terms of seat numbers. Uh, And so in some ways, sometimes it might be even easier to get um, a show at a a regional theater than at an off-Broadway theater. And when I I say regional, what I'm talking about is a Lort theater, Mm -hmm. um, which I don't know what Lort stands for. League of Theaters. There you go. Um, but basically, like, it's money. It's, yeah. like, actual money of, like, like a minimum of probably, like, 5000 like, to up to, like, twenty or 25000 for, like, a really big house or, like, a really long run. Um, uh, whereas, like, off-Broadway, like, it could be more like $5,000 because most of those 
houses are pretty small. But again, like if it's like Manhattan Theater Club in the like big, really big space, again, you're talking about like maybe 20,000 or something. And like, I, you know, it, it, it all depends on how many people show up and how much tickets are and like it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not something that you get paid all in one big chunk. It like happens over a course of like you get a certain amount of advance and that could be months and months in advance and then you get some afterwards. And so like actually living off of something like that was is really tricky. Um, so mostly what I've worked in is off off Broadway, which is like small independent theater and and people like to call it indie theater. Um, and so I've worked off Broadway and still sometimes I'm able to get enough press that I can get the play published, that I can get the, you know, get the plays done more afterwards. Um, and besides, there are also indie theaters throughout the country and, uh, or, you know, like when he says small professional theater, that's like kind of a step up from indie theater, but kind of like somewhere around there. Like in indie theater in New York, maybe the budget, like the total budget is maybe like 15 to 20K or maybe like 5K to, to, to 20K, like how much it costs to like produce the play. Um, and if you can figure out how to, yeah, I, don't, I, I haven't done a lot of producing, but like that's kind of the, the scale of it. It says um, in the in his posting, it says, uh, where did I lost it? It was uh, NNPN Theaters. What What is NNPN? Right. Uh, so NNPN is the National New Play Network. Oh, okay. Um, and most of, I would say probably most of those are small professional theaters. And again, that's like Lort. That's like mm-hmm. a code, um, a uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a contract code. Yeah. Like a like. Um, and so, like I recently, I had a show done at um, New Jersey Rep, and that's a small professional theater. Um, and so that it, it was like a 70 seat theater, um, but it's in New Jersey and like a 70 seat theater in New York um, has a much might have a much smaller budget than a 70 seat theater in New Jersey who has to hire um, uh, equity people. And so it's like it just costs more. And it's like, you know, they they were full almost the whole run, which was I think they just have an amazing subscriber base. Um but like it was, I got paid a lot more for a 70 seat run in New Jersey than I would for a 70 seat run off off Broadway in New York. So I mean, I feel like part of it is like there's, it's so complicated, like what what happens at different places, and like you could get like a thousand dollars somewhere, you could get two hundred dollars somewhere, you could get uh, like five thousand dollars somewhere, and it, and it's all kind of like depends on so many different factors that are completely beyond our control. And like when we get paid also is like way beyond our control. And like the publishers like usually pay like two times a year um, for amateur. And so like that takes forever too. And so you might like, like, yeah, I got a production. I'll see this in six months. <laughs> when you say publisher, you're talking about the, uh, the, the licensing houses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, um, the publishers who also license the, the property. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my, many people uh, might not know that there is. Uh, you can actually uh, develop your properties and develop your skills and actually make a good living in uh, having your shows run in community theater, college, universities, high school, middle school theater for the young audience, or uh, um, 
those are those are things uh, that people should they start focusing on getting their productions produced there first, or is that uh, a rookie you know, type of I, mistake? I feel like it really. Like whatever kind of writing you do is the kind of writing you should do. Uh, and so if you're naturally drawn to the high school market, then figure out how to get as write as much as you can in the high school market. And you can thrive there and make some amount of money. I mean, I don't feel like there's any money anywhere. Um, but like I do know some people who make a living. Um, and the people, you know, Don, um, who wrote that post on Salidas, like he makes money um, – but he's also like the most prolific uh, high school playwright that there is. And so for like 10 years, he's been writing like 10 plays a year and putting them out there into the world. And like they're done everywhere all over the country. He has like thousands of productions a year. And that's not the norm. But there are people who do really who do really well, who don't even write that much Um in the in the high school market but like if but if you're that kind of playwright then like by all means do that but like trying to put yourself into a mold that's not you is not going to work and i mean there's also you know the community theater aspect of like if you're writing like a comedy that's not going to go well off broadway like because i mean off broadway doesn't even really do comedies um with some exceptions but like but like like an old timey kind of comedy um, or like a farce or like a murder mystery or like there, those kind of plays, there is a huge market for that. Um, and so if you write those plays, like find the theaters that do those plays, you can look them up on the San French website, find the other theaters, that, find the other plays that are like that, see where they're being done, see where they've mm. been done and approach those theaters with your play that's perfect for them. And like, that's kind of my advice for everyone is like, whatever kind of play you're writing, there's other plays that are like that. And if you just Google them and figure out where they're going up, um, as long as they're not like the most famous play that year, like there are play, there are theaters that are doing new work that want to do plays like your play. You just have to find them. So, uh, uh, something else in this post that was interesting that we should point out, and you know, it's it's evident to me after I read it. Of course, this is true, but I never thought about it. High school and middle school. There's twenty to thirty thousand high school and middle schools that produce <laughs> yeah, theaters. Yeah, Don each. always says that. He always he always mentions that. And like I, you know, I have a few plays that are almost appropriate for high schools, um, <laughs> that are sometimes done at high schools. And sometimes high school do my plays that really aren't appropriate for high schools, mm-hmm. but somehow they do them anyway. Um, and so like I get like a few high school productions every year, but people who actually write for that market. Um, I think do a lot better, like because they understand they they're trying to write for those people. They 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 know what that market is, and they're trying to write for it. And they know what plays do well at schools. And there's a certain kind of drama, and there's a certain kind of comedy um, that that do really well. Um, and and uh, and yeah, it's like that's a there's a whole huge market of that. What do you use for your inspiration? I mean, uh, how, ma- how many plays are uh, of yours are available for licensing right now? Um, Twelve, and then there are two more about to be published. 
Okay, I'm waiting, so, for, I'm waiting for the contract to come in the mail. All right. So, so uh, <laughs> describe your process and your inspiration. Do you get up in the morning and you say, I have a new idea? Or do you get up in the morning and say, I don't have an idea and I'm just going to keep free, uh, you know, free thinking until something comes into my head? Sure. Um, well, it's more of like I've accumulated a lot of ideas over the years and trying to figure out the one that I care about enough right now um, and uh, that I'm interested enough right now and that I know enough about the world that I could write it. Um, And so I feel like it's always that of like, okay, what are the 10 things that I'm interested in right now? And what one is most the one that wants to be written right now? Um, And so that ends up being like my next play. Or, you know, sometimes you're commission to write a play, and then that ends up being your right, your next play. That was my next question, is uh, do you have people brought you ideas that uh, that you've written their idea? Um, no, not really. Um, uh, and the ex- I'm going to tell you about an exception to that, um, in that, uh, you know, I just had a, I have a play going up right now in, um, in New Orleans, and it's a musical about a TGI Friday's type restaurant that gets taken hostage. And um, when I was talking to the artistic director out of commission, we both came up with a bunch of ideas and we tried to see like what ideas are the ones that, that might be good for the theater and might be something we're excited about. Um, and they did my play clown bar, which is also an immersive play like this play. And so um, the, like the idea I think was that, Oh, let's figure out how to do it. Another immersive thing. And so I was like, I've always wanted to do a play about, um, one of my five ideas was I've always wanted to do a play about, uh, taking the audience hostage. And one of his ideas was I want to do a play in a TGI Friday type restaurant. And so we took, we put those two ideas together and I wrote a play. Um, and now it's happening, which is amazing and doesn't always happen when you get commissioned to do something. Sometimes, it, you know, no one will do it or someone else will do it later. Uh, do you work with any specific directors or theater groups or things like that uh, on, an, on a regular basis or is it just on a one-off basis? Um, a lot of things are one-off. Um, just in the past couple of years, there's more that are not one-off. Um, like I have a play going up, I think just opened yesterday at a theater in Florida that once did a play of mine in 2011. And I've had like a high school that's done like three of my plays. And I've had like a, a college that's done like three of my plays. Um, there are two theaters that I've worked with, um, both like indie, like indie theaters, one in New York and one in LA. Um, and both of them have done three plays of mine. Um, and two of those plays were the same play that, that both of the theaters did. And the, that's Theater of Note in Los Angeles. Um, and that's uh, a Flux Theater Ensemble in New York. Um, and both of these, like we started in, oh, I don't know. Um, like it's been over the course of like 10, 12 years that they've done three plays of mine. So it's really like, oh, like once every four years I get to play with them again. Hmm. Um, which is awesome. It's so great that I, that I get to come back, but like, I don't, I've, I've, I've always felt like I don't really have a home. Um, and in, in some ways those are both kind of homes, but like, uh, you know, and there's another theater in, um, 
uh, in uh, uh, Orange County uh, called the Chance Theater that's had me there a bunch. They did a production of mine, and they've done uh, two workshops and a bunch of readings over the years. Um, and and so they sort of feel like a home to me too. Um, and like Flux Theater in New York, like I've probably done more development with them than with anyone else. Um, and you know, they're my friends and I love to see them and, and love to see what they're up to. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's, um, if you're not producing stuff yourself, um, then it's like, you're always trying to find the next one off to figure out how to get the next production. And like, that takes a lot of work. Um, not as much work as actually producing it yourself, but if you actually produce it yourself, then you have control over what play gets done when. So you've mentioned uh, Orange County, California, Florida, uh, New Orleans, New Jersey rep. Uh, when your productions go up, do you visit them during the process after? Do you see the productions or is it just from afar? Um, you know, it, usually if it's the first production and sometimes the second production, then I'll be there. Um uh, you know, I was just also in Portland, Oregon, uh, for the biggest production I've had so far. And that was last year around this time. Um, and it's just, it's, it's so great to be there for the premiere and like, you can be so helpful in making sure that the play is what you think it should be. And like being another set of eyes, um, and being like, no, actually this is supposed to be this and not that. Um, and so in that way, like at least the play will be, what you have in mind. And so people will, um, people will actually experience the thing that you want them to experience or some version of the thing you want them to experience instead of like letting someone else's vision be what is out in the world and what people are judging. Hmm. Um, so I think it's really important to be there for the premiere, especially. So let's, uh, talk about the evil, uh, left coast. Uh, <laughs> television and film, has it oh, uh, sure. been interesting yeah. to you or is it something that just doesn't interest you? Know, you or? I did it once um, in a really uh, strange situation um, and uh, and I haven't done it since. Um, and like I always – like I'm always thinking about it. I'm always like, oh, I should write that pilot that I told my agent I was going to write two years ago. Um <laughs> You know, I am like I am writing a screenplay right now, and like there are a couple of screenplays in theory that might happen someday that I might get off the ground. Um, and sometimes, like it seems like, oh, this thing is about to happen, and then either it does or it doesn't. So, so we'll see. I mean, I don't. I watch a lot of TV. I like TV, um, but I also have a five-year-old, and I don't want to have long hours, and I don't want to move to LA. Um, and uh, yeah, and it. it it would really mean like really uprooting my life and uprooting my family's life to to move to LA and and not making a lot of money that first year probably. Um, so that would be it would be really tricky and I don't know if it's something that I want to like be in a writer's room for twelve hours a day um, for five months or nine months or twelve months. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I didn't realize before we started that your wife was also a playwright. Have you guys collaborated on anything? You know, we wrote like a 10-minute play like years ago that, that went up. Um, that was a lot of fun. But we haven't – we kind of write differently. Um, and so 
And also, I think we're just both kind of, we don't really collaborate with other people either. <laughs> so, uh, so it's not. <laughs> um, but we did. We wrote like a 10-minute play once, and it was good, and we liked it. But like also, it's like it was clear that we write different kinds of plays, and so it didn't make a lot of sense to keep doing that. Hmm. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your blog. Um, you have uh, a blog. Um, we'll put a link to it in the show notes so that uh, listeners can get to it. Uh, a Thousand Playwright Interviews, which mm -hmm. uh, I want to note right now is fake news because you're more than a thousand. So Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, – that's the – you know, like I'm, I'm about – when I'll hit 1025, like then I'll switch it over to 1025. Okay. Um, but uh, – so the thing at the top that says a thousand, that's just a link to the first thousand. Uh -huh. um, and then basically I stopped for like a year and was like, I don't think I'm going to keep doing this. And then I kind of wanted to do it again, and so I started doing it again. So, uh, so yeah, I'm at um, 1,024 right now. And, uh, like, what I've been doing is, like, every 25, I um, add 25 more to the list and put up that list again. So um, you started this in uh, June 2009. So, you know, coming up on 10 right, years. Right, yeah. Co coming up on 10 years, uh, you know, why why do this i mean it it seems like an enormous enormous uh physical mental and time commitment you know it's not a huge time commitment um because it really ends up being like 15 minutes or so each time i do it or uh -huh. 20 minutes or like when i aggregate them all into a list like that might be an hour or something Sure. So it's not so like, yes, collectively, all put together, it's a lot of time, but usually it's inspirational. And so it's worth it. And like a lot of the people are people who are not already super famous um, and are happy to do it. And um, it, it helps them in some way and it helps them. Uh, you know, some people don't have websites, and it's the first thing that pops up oh, with their name. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and so I know a lot of literary managers who are, like, reading a play that they like, and then they search it, and then they find, you know, the interview, and then they know all of that stuff about that person. Um, and so it's like a way to get to know them uh, without having had coffee yet. <laughs> are there any uh, that you interviewed who got uh, a wonderful break after it, not necessarily because of the interview, but that uh, you you interviewed them before they uh, got a good uh, gig? Oh, yeah. I mean, tons of them. I mean, um, well, because like I knew, you know, I, all the people that I came up with, a lot of them are super famous now and super amazing. Um, and, and so I knew them when they were only a little amazing and only a little famous. Um, and so like, there are a, a lot of people who, um, who I knew were great, but the world didn't know yet, or like, you know, someone having their first production and then like, you know, like Martina Mayock, like mm. was in Chicago, I think at the time when I interviewed her and that was several years ago. Um, and then like I met her for the first time when she was at Juilliard when I first started working there. Um, and then, you know, and then she just won the Pulitzer last year. So like she was already like doing stuff and like doing exciting plays. Um, but like less the plays that we know about right now. Um, 
but like someone had told me I should interview her. I think she, I forget, I forget why, I forget if it was a production or they were just like, oh, here's an exciting Chicago theater person. Like you should interview her. Um, and so like a lot of stuff like that of like, oh, right. Like I've known about this person for a while and now they're doing really well. Um, and you know, like that's of course not true for all 1000 of them. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, people are doing different stuff and we all move forward. Time marches on. (laughs) Did did you, uh, uh, did you interview Don Zalitis? Yeah. Was that, uh, did you know Don before you interviewed him or did you, uh, uh, I don't remember when, um, I don't know. Um, and I don't know how I was introduced to him or if I just m- met him on, I, you know, it, it's probably through play scripts. I probably met him through play scripts. Uh-huh. Um, it's totally possible that, um, Morgan Gould, who was the, the literary manager there had told me about him. Um, or I might have discovered him on, on the play scripts website or yeah, I don't know. Um, I also don't know what year that was because it all kind of blends together in my mind. And, you know, and I think I met him after I interviewed him and after I'd been talking to him for a while. I think uh, I just searched it up uh, December 9th, 2012. So, uh, 2012. Yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, a while ago. So, (laughs) um, if, uh, somebody came to you and said, uh, Adam, I'm, I'd really like to be a playwright. You know, is there some nuggets of wisdom that you can impart to them, or is it different from every everybody's path is different? Uh, well, everybody's path is definitely different, and that's part of what I impart. Um, I have a post on my blog, which is besides. Uh, well, actually, I think it's probably the most read post on my blog. Um, that's like advice for playwrights starting out. Um, and it, it has a bunch of different things and, uh, I don't, I don't know how many of them I can remember right now, but the gist of it is like, here, here's Marsha Norman's advice for things to think about before writing a play. Um, do, are you sure you want to write a play? Uh, are you sure you want to be a playwright? It's hard. Um, you know, read a lot of plays, see a lot of plays. Uh, oh God, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> There's like 10 parts to it, I think. I found it. Oh. Are you sure you want to be a playwright? Yeah. That's awesome. uh, number two is see a lot, mm-hmm. see and read a lot of plays. Yes. Number three is which means you have to have some money coming in to live on. That's true. Yes. Uh, number four is if you don't work at a theater and you can afford to work for nothing, even for a couple of months, intern at a th- uh, the literary office of a theater. Yeah. Write at least a play a year. Marsha Norman has these four sentences to fill in before writing a play. I always found them to yep. be very helpful. This play is about blank. It takes place blank. It starts when blank and ends when blank. The main character wants to blank but blank. That's really, really true. Uh, the seventh <laughs> really one is... helpful. Yeah. If like you in could, the times that I've... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, in the times that you what? Oh, like in the times where I've been like, why am I struggling with this play? Sometimes I just go back to that list. I'll be like, oh, right. I don't know what this play's about. Or I'm not sure what this character wants yet. And so like figuring out what that is, like sometimes makes things click for me and helps me write the play. Hmm. I, I, it's it, it, it's uh, the, the most uh, 
important statements are the simplest ones that just hit you over the head with the two by four. And this thing by Marsha Norman is just brilliant. I've never yeah. heard it before. Yeah. And it's so simple. It's yeah. so simple. It's just like, here, here are some things it's super helpful to know before you write the play. Hmm. Like, and like, you know, you got to know, well, and then the other part of it is like the container of it. Like it's important that the play starts at the right place and ends at the right place. Um, and so for me, it's always really helpful to know how the play ends before I start writing the play. Um, and like, it's, you know, the plays that I don't quite know how they end before I start writing it, like, and if I haven't figured that out by the time I get to, by the time I finish writing the play, then you know, like usually they don't have as good of an ending of the ones that like, it feels like it's inevitable. You know, uh, there are 16 parts of this and it's such, it, it doesn't do it justice to get them out really quickly. So I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes. It's from January 26, 2009, Advice for Playwrights Starting Out. It's very interesting. Um, uh, before we wrap and, up is – yeah? Well, I just wanted to say like um, that is one of the questions that I also ask the playwrights when I'm doing all, like all those 1,000 interviews. I ask them like what, what advice would you give to playwrights starting out? And there are so many different responses, and uh, sometimes they have the same things that they say over and over again. But it, that's all just to say is not only do I have advice for people, but so does Paula Vogel. So does mm-hmm. Martina Mayo. Yeah. So does, you know, <laughs> every single person that I've interviewed, um, except occasionally if they decide not to answer that question. Um, and so, like, it, it you don't just have to listen to me. You can go and look and see what they say about it because some people have, they contradict each other. They have um, more helpful advice to wherever you playwright are at right now. So just that. Hmm. Well, your blog is uh, approaching 2 million visits, which is really, really amazing. That's uh, just tr- tremendous, and and you keep writing uh, very often. There, there's very few gaps and dates that I'm seeing here, so it's uh, it's a testament to your uh, stick-to-itiveness. <laughs> so, Adam, I want to thank you so much for joining us on Broadway sure. Radio and telling us about uh, life of a playwright. Adam Simkowitz is a playwright, and I will have a link to all of his information in the show notes. Adam, thank you once again for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.